0: So glad you guys are all here today. We have guest speaker today, uh, Dr. Daniel Pat, missionary. He's going to speak for us today, titled "New Leadership in a Changing World." Would you welcome uh, Dr. Pat? Thank you, 목사님. Uh, it's good to be here again. I was here six, I think, six months ago. If you remember, I have no idea what I talked about. Uh, <laughs> But uh, uh, I felt like God has a message today, so I will share that today. Uh, It's about leadership. It's about leadership. Not just about leadership, but new leadership. It means that those who've never led before, God wants you. God wants to bless you to lead this nation and the nations of the world. Amen. Psalm 1, uh, 2, 8 says, um, ask of me. You guys all remember what God wants you to ask for? Ask of me. I will give you the nations as your inheritance and ends of the earth as your possession. And today, I want to talk about that. Let's ask God for the nations. Um, When I was younger, I just asked for A's in my grades. Uh, And the second thing I asked for, I asked for a nice, good-looking, beautiful girlfriend. Um, But I think God wants us to ask for something much bigger than that. Uh, Beyond what we can possibly imagine. If we can imagine it, it means that we probably can do it. But if we cannot imagine it, it's probably something that God wants to do. And God's looking for some people, uh, all of us here, uh, to rise up in this season, in historical season. I I believe that the world is shifting and changing in a very uh, massive way. It's almost like a tsunami coming, a spiritual tsunami coming. Um, And uh, this is a great time to be alive. So it's a—it's my privilege to be here. It's, I'm very excited, but every time I stand in, in a in a pulpit, I get very nervous um, and petrified, terrified—not uh, because of the crowd, but because I feel like I'm standing in a holy place, you know, uh, like Moses, and you um, know I don't know if if um, I'll do a good job, but uh, because God called me here, and because your pastor asked me to stand before you, I feel very confident. Um, the, the one reason I'm very petrified right now is because uh, my kids are here with me. Um, you know, every time I stand before my kids, at home I could do whatever I want to, but when I stand in the pulpit and my kids are here listening to me, I am afraid <laughs> what they may say right after this message. Um... But it's a season, I believe, is a very different season. A season that God is bringing the fathers and the children together. Um, and a season that's a very challenging season, but God loves these challenges. Uh, I believe our enemy wants to separate the fathers from the children, fathers from the family, um, but it's... God's desire in this season in history right now to bring the fathers back to the children and children to the fathers. Amen. And today I want to talk about that. It's an unusual message. Uh, it may not. It may not sound like um, a leadership message, uh, but it's something that I I learned over the past 21 years, um, and and. Um, It's something that's dear to my heart, and as I travel around the world, um, some very few things God really taught me, and I want to share that with you today. I hope God's spirit will move powerfully in this church. This church, by the way, every time I come here and pray, I've been praying here every morning, early in the morning, uh, coming to pray for this church, and especially for the young generation. Um, And the, the, the heart that God gave me, this church is a church of leadership. Uh, And church where God is gathering nobodies, people with a lot of pain in their hearts, just like David, people who are neglected in the society, perhaps from the family as well. Uh, But God is gathering those people here to anoint them just like God anointed David to lead a nation, Uh, not just the church, but through the church, lead nation and nations and ends of the earth. And I believe that's the calling for this church. Uh, That's one of the reasons why I think God is bringing people here together past a couple years And by the way, happy birthday. I heard you guys are 15 years old now Or the the Korean church is 15 years old Uh, But this is a it's been two years now. You're just crawling uh, Speaking now babbling words here and there Um, And that's when God will anoint uh, the church uh, I felt the Lord say, I asked the Lord, what should I talk about? I t- felt the Lord say, share this pulpit uh, with your daughter. Um, so I want to introduce my daughter. Uh, you know, among all the people in the world, she's the one that I fear the most. <laughs> one of the reasons is that she's very brave, courageous. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we are having a, you know evening time with the family, and she comes, she comes to me, she goes, Daddy. I don't think you are a good daddy. I said, I disagree. I think I'm a great daddy. Let me give you 10 reasons why I'm a good daddy. One, two, three, four. I said, you need to repent. (laughs) The Bible said, honor your parents. Um, And I was curious. I asked her, why do you think I'm not a good daddy? She goes, because you give us your leftover time. I go, what do you mean leftover time? And she explained how she was growing up in America. You know, everything else, the church and the people in the church and all these missionaries coming in and out, they're so important. Whenever she came to me, Daddy, Daddy, look at this. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have time right now. I have to go meet this very, very important person. I'm having dinner with this very important person. I got to go meet this very important person. And uh, she felt like she was a secondary uh, leftover and the main, main were other people. And so having heard this, you know, I prayed to the Lord and said, God, you need to anoint my daughter with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So I sat her down, the kids, my two boys next to her, they're going, yeah, we agree that you're not a good daddy. (laughs) They weren't as brave as my daughter. And so as a good father, I sat her down, I read the Bible, I told him the Bible says honor your parents and you need to repent and I'll pray for you. And the next morning, I went to early morning prayer. God, please help my kids, t- you know, fill them with the Holy Spirit, that they know how important work that we have to do around the world. And God said, yes, yes, yes. In the end days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. And your sons and your daughter is prophesying to you that you are not a good daddy. And uh, when my daughter told me that, I didn't believe her. But when the God told me that, I didn't know what to do. For the first time, I admitted that I'm not a good daddy. As soon as I admitted that I'm not a good daddy before God, I felt free. And from then on, uh, God's been teaching me about leadership in a very different way. Um, and the leadership begins in the family. And, uh, and so I want to share this pulpit with my daughter, this brave daughter, and uh, I asked her to share her heart. I don't know exactly what she, she will share. Share her heart with you about who, how wonderful God is. how God is raising up amazing generation uh, for this time in history. Uh, this is my, can you come up? Uh, I'd like to begin with a prayer, if you may. Can you just stretch your hand? Uh, Ask the Holy Spirit to touch each and every one of us in a very special way. Uh, you know, one day is like a thousand years, thousand years like one day. May God, God's hand touch us that will change eternity of our lives. Let the drop of eternity come to this church that will transform everything. And it only takes one drop of heaven, one touch from the King Jesus that will change everything. So let's pray for just 30 seconds that the Spirit of God will move in this church right now. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord God. We ask for the Spirit of the Lord to move in our hearts. Lord God, this is your time. We worship you. This is your time, Lord God. Be honored, be glorified, and touch our hearts, touch our spirit, touch our bodies. May every cell, every memory, every subconscious thoughts be transformed. Give us new prophecy, new visions, new dreams, oh God. We thank you for this church, Leadership Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.
1: Hi, Um, I'm Francis. I'm his daughter, Um, I'm 22 years old. And I don't really have like a coherent message or like lesson to share with everyone. I'm just going to share about what God has done in my life kind of as a story, Um, yeah, and so I was born and raised in the United States in Michigan with my family, and growing up, we had, it was really fun. We served the church. My dad was a professor, and we went to school, and it was a good time, and then all of a sudden, when I was 14, um, God called my family to do something different, and so my dad came to us really excited, saying, God told me that we're going to travel the world. We're going to drop school. We're going to drop my work. We're just going to go, and it's going to be great. Um, and I thought to myself, yeah, that sounds great. And he asked me, do you want to join and do this? Because he wanted me to make my own decisions. And at the time, I don't know if anyone had to think about dropping out of school before, but dropping, I was in high school at the time. And for me, that was a kind of a big deal. So I said, you guys can go travel the world and do all those cool things. Um, I'll stay here in America and go to school because I think that's what I want to do. Um, and at the time, um, my dad said, okay, that's fine. And my brother, he was a fourth grade at the time, he was so excited to leave school and everything and travel. <laughs> and so they went to Israel to start off their travels. And so during that time, I was in America by myself at my friend's house for two months, started going to high school, and it was pretty fun. And after two months, I realized I think God wanted us to go together as a family, and I was not obeying. And I figured this out because lots of things started happening. Like our house got taken by the bank, and I don't know if anyone had to see what that looks like before, but all of your things are in trash bags in front of your house. And my parents didn't have Wi-Fi so in Israel. And so I had to take care of all this by myself with people at my church. And then for an unknown reason, I also got kicked out of my friend's house that I was staying at, Not that anything bad happened, but it was completely random. And at the time, people at our church were also kind of saying things about my family, like, are they okay? Are they taking care of you? Are they actually following what God's doing? Because it seems like things are not going well right now. And so I realized, oh, maybe God did want me to join my family. Maybe I shouldn't be here. And so I called them, and I joined um, them in Israel. And that was when we became a complete family again, Um, with a a homeless family, three children that are dropouts of school, and an unemployed parent. And it was a great time. (laughs) And yeah. And the first thing that happened when we started traveling was we had to make a decision of what to do with our education. And at the time, my parents wanted us to decide what we wanted to do. And they said, we'll give you all the responsibility. If you want to study, or go to school, like homeschool, private school, whatever, just let us know. If you don't want to go to school and do something else, just let us know, and you can do that as well. And so during that time, we prayed a lot, especially because everyone around us was saying, you have to go to school, like that's not an option. Um, So at the time I prayed, and I felt that God was saying, "Um, you left this Egypt system, like you did what the Israelites did, and he didn't want us to go back to that system and so, even though for me I really wanted to go to school, I really liked it, um, I said, Okay, God, then we'll obey what you want. And we decided from then we won't go to school. And since that time and moment of obedience, God opened a lot of doors to do a lot of interesting things from there. Um, and God gave us the heart that the nations were a classroom and the world is our playground. And I think that really did happen since that time of obedience. Like, for example, I went to a lot of missions in the Middle East with other high schoolers or young people. We would go to places like Iraq or Syria or Turkey or Israel, and we would go share the gospel with Muslims, and sometimes we'd get caught by police, and then they would let us go because we're just a cute group of little kids. Um, and we actually saw Muslim people come to Christ and people that said, oh, we had dreams of like Asian kids coming to us with a book and that we were reading it together. Um, and we saw a lot of good fruit from those things. And we also went to places like India um, to really equip the youth and challenge them to do missions. Not that we were really great missionaries ourselves because we would have these training programs and a bunch of high schoolers would stand up here talking about the Holy Spirit or spiritual warfare or global world history according to the Bible, and we totally mixed up all the history and facts and mixed things up, but um, God used that to really raise up youth in India to serve the nations. And besides that, um, we saw God do a lot of other cool things, like how we join worship dance teams to travel and worship around the nations, or join projects or meetings with businessmen who were doing business in North Korea for unification, and things like that. And it was a really fun several years, um, and I really felt from this time that God was saying um, he really has a bigger vision for young people like us, um, that it's not just us being confined to one country or one place, but he really wants us to serve the nations um, and have like the nations as our inheritance. And so from then I was like, okay, um, my world is not just my country or the place I live, but it's the nations, and that's where I want to serve. Um, and I was convinced that I was going to be a missionary to the nations. And it was all great. And then came the time when I turned like 17 or 18, and people started asking, Okay, what are you gonna do for college? And at the time, it wasn't something on my mind at all. I wasn't concerned about college. I haven't been going to high school. Um, I was just gonna keep serving and doing projects and going to the nations. And I realized, Oh, this might be something I need to think about. Um, There's a lot of stress from people saying, Okay, you didn't go to high school, but you have to go to college. Like, that's not something you can skip. And even my parents were kind of thinking, um, this might be something you need to think about. I think my mom's biggest concern was that if I didn't go to college, I wouldn't get married to anyone. Um, So she was like, we might need you. I think you need to go to college. Um, So I was like, okay, maybe I'll look into it. And I prayed and I looked at different universities. um, But I personally didn't feel like that any of these places would be somewhere that um, I could see a lot of fruit because I was I would be in one place for a long time and all these things that God was doing in my life I wouldn't be able to continue pursuing and and I also felt that God was saying um, that he has a different plan so don't pursue this so it was a hard decision but I said okay then I won't go to university uh, I'll put this down I'll stop looking and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing now uh, maybe I'll go to the Middle East and live there for a couple years or do ministry and that's what I decided but then after a month of deciding that, maybe a couple weeks, um, I found this random university that um, it was super sketchy because I found it in a Facebook ad first. So I thought it was a scam, but it was like a university that traveled the world, that was trying to build the world's leaders. Um, and it, for a wide range of reasons, it fit everything that God had been preparing me for this time. Um, and previously, my dad was saying, Don't go to university unless you can give 10 good reasons why. Um, because you don't need to just do it because everyone else is doing it. And once I found this university, I could have, I had many reasons why I needed to go here, and I felt that God really created this school for me, uh, which kind of is the case because it was only made a couple years ago. And so I was super excited. I told my parents about this new university that I wanted to pursue. They're like, okay, go for it. And I was applying. Um, They don't take, like, SATs or anything, so you take, like, an IQ test and do a bunch of um, other assessments and interviews and write your accomplishments. And I didn't really have accomplishments or awards because I didn't go to school or do anything traditional. So I just said, um, I did a lot of work in the Middle East. And I, I guess, dropped out of school and made my own education and things like that. And so I put my application in. And I found out that it was also the most selective university in the US with like only accepting 1.9% of people. So At one hand, I was thinking, this is what God made me to do, and this is the school that God made for me. And on the other side, I was like, I can't ever get into this school. It's so selective. Why would they take a high school dropout like me? Um, But we prayed, and in the end, we found out that I got in at the time. And yeah, and so that's where I am now, um, in this university, with a bunch of very accomplished students who have businesses or... Write books and things like that. And amongst them is me, who dropped out of high school and did missions for maybe six years. Um, But now being here, I think God has been showing me that not only is the nations um, where He wants this generation to be, but He's also given me a heart for um, being in the place where you can influence the systems of the world, not just on the villages in the Middle East and the lowest people, but also the highest. And so He's been showing me that now that is my mission field, um, and that's what I'm pursuing now. And yeah. And I guess throughout my life I've been realizing more and more that when you obey God, God has a the best plan for you, and He's has so many things prepared for you, even better than you can ever imagine. Um, like throughout my life, I'd never imagined that I would do the things that I was have done so far, or that I'd be here where I am now. Um, but it was really through the obedience, not because I'm super accomplished or that I have a bunch of skills that can do great things in the world. But it's just um, when God asks you to do something, you obey. He will follow through and um, really prepare things that you have never imagined before. And I think that's what he has for this whole generation. Um, And yeah, that's basically it. (laughs)
0: My my kids have been the greatest teacher past uh, several years. Um, the day that God told me, you're not a good daddy, it really struck my heart because I was brought up in the church and the leadership, beginning of all leadership uh, in the Bible. It says, um, if you want to be a deacon or an elder, it says you must have one wife <laughs> and uh, take care of your children, uh, family, lead your family well, then you can lead the church and the church can lead the nations. When he, um, and so I've been really learning a lot about leadership. Um, I've never thought about leadership in my life. I'm a typical immigrant who immigrated in 1973 when I was nine years old. That was 46 years ago, a long time ago. You know, I was once nine years old, very cute boy. Um, and never thought about leadership other than just getting an MD degree because that was my parents' dream, um, for to see their children become a doctor and the ones that became a doctor um, and never thought about leadership but in 1998 when I was uh, was doing psychiatry uh, addiction uh, postdoc work at a conference of all places I was listening to a lecture uh, on um, alcoholism and especially about uh, visual and auditory hallucinations And suddenly, I heard a voice of God during that lecture. And it stirred my heart so much, I didn't know what to do with it. So I went to the bathroom, uh, in a remote corner of the bathroom, sat down, and I literally heard for the very first time a voice of God. It was almost like the biblical thing. And what God said was this, Daniel, I want you to help raise up godly leaders who will impact their generation or impact their world in their generation for Christ. And I began to cry and weep. You know, when you hear God's voice, it's such, such a holy voice that you don't know what to do with it. Uh, as a sinful man, I didn't know what to do with it. I cried, I think, 10, 15 minutes, just, just weeping. And uh, finally, uh, I, you know, I don't have very good memory, so I, I wanted to write it down. So I took out some tissue paper, wrote it down, and then I looked under the, ta- under the stall to see if there's anybody around. No one was there, so I, wept again. Ever since that time, uh, I wanted to find out what is this leadership that God wants? How do you raise up godly leaders? Not only raise up, but how do you help raise up godly leaders who will impact their world in their generation for Christ? And that's been my preoccupation for the past 21 years. Uh, Never thought about leadership before that. Uh, Never led anything. (laughs) Uh, To this day, I don't know what leadership is. Um, But from then on, uh, I began to read books because I didn't know what to do. I I had a, um, right uh, next to our home was a bookstore called the Barnes and Nobles. So I went there every day, looked at every book that's related to leadership, every magazine, every article I could find. I think to this day, I think I read about 2,500 leadership books, not only Christian leadership, but all kinds of leadership. Uh, these days, I'm reading about fashion leadership. Uh, how does fashion impact the world? Uh, what does fashion look like in kingdom of God? What kind of fashion does angels have? What kind of fashion does uh, you know, all the, I don't know, in heaven? Uh, I'm praying for that. How do you bring that kingdom of God down to this earth? And So, and not, not only read a lot of books and magazines on leadership, but also met a lot of leaders. Uh, when I read a book, i said, wow, this is so fascinating. I would call them. Can I meet up with you? I'm reading your book. It's fascinating. Can I ask you some questions? To this date, every single one of them said yes. Yeah, uh, Every single one of them. So I met many, many authors that I read about. And then I started to look for non-Western leaders because most of the books were English. So most of the books are written by um, Western leaders. So I wanted to find out what else is going on because uh, about 80% of the world is non-Western non-West, world. So I began to travel different parts of the world. I went to uh, Israel. I went to you know, Europe, uh, Africa. I went even to the U- Uganda. Every year I went to Uganda because there's a leadership gathering there of uh, Africans and other people around the world. So I would go there and talk to the leaders over there. And the South Africa, I heard the 5,000 leaders from all over the world are gathering over there. And then I heard there's 4,000 leaders gathering in uh, Israel and so on. So I will go wherever there's leadership gathering, especially non-Western leadership uh, gathering. And, um, and so that's what in past six months, I've been to I think 14 countries. Uh, six months ago I was here, right after that I went to Cleveland, Ohio, to New York, to Toronto, to Belgium, to Netherlands, and to uh, Germany, uh, France, Switzerland, Italy, and then to Israel, then uh, UK, London, and then to Korea, and to Egypt, and then back to Korea, then Seattle, then Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and then here last week. Um, and I want to share with you what I've learned about leadership. There's there's much I can say, but there's several things I want to share with you today about leadership. And one is um, number one: uh, the world has problems. That's what I learned. Did you know that? World is so much, so many problems. Not only the world, the whole globe has problems. Every nation have a sense of their own problems and challenges. Not only nations, but every family I met, they have deep problems and challenges they're going through right now. Not only families, every couple uh, and the sons and daughters and individuals. And did you know that churches have problems too? Yeah, I think churches have more problems than any other place because they have to deal with spiritual issues as well as the earthly issues as well. The second thing I learned, the world has problems, and the problems are increasing very significantly. But the second thing I learned is um, leaders have solutions. I looked at the history of the world and read many, many books and met many, many people. And one thing I found out that's common for leaders, they have solutions or they create solutions. They seek solutions for the problems they're facing or problems the world is facing. And the third thing I found out is that if leadership is the solution, what is the biggest problem? What do you think? Problems will exist, I think, throughout life and throughout earthly life until Jesus comes back. When he will resolve all problems. But if leadership is a solution, what is the greatest problem and challenge we are facing right now? What do you think? What do you think? Well, I don't have much time, so I'm going to move on. Something to think about. Number one, the world has problems. You know, did you know that even if you get married, you have problems? <laughs> yeah. After I got married, I got really depressed. And yeah, I, I proposed to my wife on the first date because I felt this is the one. Uh, we've been married for 25 years now, but um, it's been a challenge. Yeah, First three years, my wife even wrote a book that's a bestseller, and the whole book is about how difficult it was to marry a Korean American guy. <laughs> I became a bestseller in Korea. Uh, last part is about how God intervened. I think, I'm praying that that's the best um, best part, (laughs) not our problems. Um, But world has problems. We'll face problems. Everywhere you go, you cannot escape problems. Uh, Even when you come to church, you cannot escape problems. You may face even deeper problems. God will expose even deeper issues of our hearts. But leaders have solutions leaders seek solutions the whole all of history i saw that and even now leaders they're rising up with solutions um and the third thing is if leadership is a solution what is the biggest problem i believe it is this you may not agree with me but as i read through the bible several times about leadership and met many people uh I believe it is the greatest challenge we're facing is the failure of responsibility. Failure of responsibility. I could talk about this 10 hours, but let, let me just mention the first failure of responsibility. Anybody know when was the first failure of responsibility? Yes. Oh, you make a great husband. And God bless you. Uh, now, among you, I believe, when I see in your eyes, I see some of you, you'll shake this nation in a very fresh new way. And some of you will start a new kind of industries that, that's never been around in history of the world because God is unveiling things that's never been on earth before. Um, and some of you will restore the original... Designs of marriage and family, and businesses, and entertainment, and fashion industry that's not based on sex code, but that's based on beauty—beauty beauty of God, beauty of Kingdom of God. Uh, there are many leaders who come out of this, out of this place, I believe. But failure of responsibility. All the books I read, that the, most of the leaders they agree that uh, uh, leadership is influence. Yes, that's true. That's true. But I want to go a little, little further. Uh, failure responsibility. Adam and Eve, he said, was the first demonstration of failure of leadership, failure of responsibility. What did they do? when After they sinned, God came to them and said, what did you do? What did Adam say? Did he say... I am so sorry, Lord. I will take responsibility for the failure of my sin. Or what did he do? He blamed Eve. Never do that. <laughs> Never blame your wife <laughs> for my misery. <laughs> um, yes, he did. What about Eve? What, God said, Eve, what happened? What did Eve say? Eve blamed Satan. Yeah, don't blame Satan for everything. <laughs> yes, he's a miserable creature out there trying to you know, make our lives you know, living hell, but not everything can be blamed on Satan. <laughs> From then on, the legacy of failure response began, and to this day, most of us are blaming other people. And as a psychiatrist, the root of many of our misery or difficult, challenged, disordered is a failure of responsibility. And I want to talk about that today. Is it okay? Okay. Oh, by the way, uh, many ask Are leaders born or leaders made? What do you think? How many think leaders are born? They inherently, there's a leadership trait in their blood. Gene, they're born into leadership. How many believe that? Okay, just one. All right. How many believe that leaders are made? Okay, most of us. Yes, when are leaders made? I believe leaders are born when they begin to take responsibility of something. Little kid can start to lead something when they begin to take responsibility of something. Anybody here can be a leader today. If you resolve in your heart, I will take responsibility of this. Whatever is in front of you, whatever is in front of you, big, small, it doesn't matter. Usually it starts with small. Responsibility. And so my conclusion is all good leaders take responsibility. But I want to talk about something a little more deeper than that. All godly leaders, I found out, godly Christian leaders in history of the world, they not only took responsibility of God's creation and the problems and challenges we are facing on earth, but they also, anybody know what else they did? Every historical leader, every leader right now, Christian, godly leaders, they do this one thing that's common. Yes, faith in God. That's true. Uh, I have a gift card, Barnes and Noble's book. What do they do? One common thing that all godly leaders are doing. They pray. I've not yet met any godly leaders who are impacting the world for Christ who did not pray. Nor did I read anybody, read about anybody who did not pray. Every single person who ever impacted the world for Christ, they're people of prayer. People of prayer. So having said that, what, are you, what do you want to take responsibility for? You know, I've been praying for several, several things the um, past number of years. Uh, one, I've been praying for 95% of our generation uh, leaving the church after college. I've been praying, God, bring them back to the Father's house. Bring them back. And I don't know what's so good out in the world that they're going out into the world, leaving his, the Father's house, but for some reason, they're leaving. And they don't want to be part of God's family. And they don't want to be part of the great blessings of God. Uh, and I'm praying that they will all return to the Father's house. And the fact, another thing I've been praying for is that as a psychiatrist, you know, 2017, I found the number one cause of disability worldwide. You know what that is? Yeah, depression. Depression is the number one cause of disability worldwide, according to World Health Organization, United Nations. And it it really excited me (laughs) as a psychiatrist. And I am praying, God, how do we tackle this issue? World has problems. World creates depression, disorder. Leaders have what? Solutions. Especially godly leaders, we have God' solutions. Uh, that's why we pray to seek the truth, seek God's solutions. All the books I read, they're all good, but it doesn't have God's solutions. All the good books I read, they pointed their finger to God. And the other thing I've been praying for past uh, number of years is uh, in America's moral decline. America used to have moral leadership around the world, spiritual decline. So I'm praying, God, restore the leadership, godly leadership in America so that we could bless the nations of the world. Uh, And there are other issues that we can pray for and lead and take responsibility but there's one particular area I want to uh, talk about. One thing changed six months ago, and now, for me, that's very, very significant uh, that only happens once in lifetime. Um, anybody know what that is? It only happens once. My father uh, passed away uh, uh, last December. He was 82 years old. Uh, He lived in America for 45 years, 46, 45 years at that time. Um, And he passed. Uh, He went to heaven. Last thing he said to my sister-in-law was that, I'm going to heaven. Bye-bye. And my sister-in-law thought he was joking. (laughs) Uh, But an hour later, uh, he went to heaven. Uh, My father... Um, you know, my father grew up in a very difficult time. Uh, he was born under uh, Japanese occupation in Korea. Uh, he went through uh, Korean War as a young boy and a teenager. Um, and he grew up in a poverty-stricken nation, uh, second most, uh, second uh, poorest nation in the world at that time when he was growing up. Uh, and then he came to America because my aunt married a Jewish American doctor. Uh, so he came to America. And there's more challenges in America because he couldn't speak English. He could not... Uh, Understand the culture here, and uh, and so he had a very challenging time. Uh, And uh, as a father, I say this with my father's permission. Now that he is in heaven, (laughs) Uh, I don't think he was a good father. Uh, Because my first memory, when I came to America, I was third grade. My teacher asked, "What is your first memory?" I try to think about my first memory. My first memory was my father uh, throwing things at my mother. Uh, and it was a time when I think it was very challenging as a family because so many things were happening. And you know, I could talk about many things uh, and prove that he probably was not a best father. Uh, he was very abusive to my mother and my uh, brother, and also uh, when he drank, he became very violent. Uh, and it was common in that generation, I think. Um, it doesn't excuse him. And also, was my father a good Christian? I think he was a terrible Christian. <laughs> Because of his sons and his wife, he went to church later on in his life. But as soon as he leaves the church, he would begin to criticize the pastor. That pastor does not belong here. He needs to go. Uh, I could do better than him. Um, and why do you go to church? Do they feed you? I'm the one who's feeding your family. Why do you go to church? And he would criticize the church every single time he goes to, he goes to church. Um, so He wasn't a good father. He wasn't a good Christian. And the last uh, few years of his life, he was suffering from um, um, colon cancer. And because of complications from his treatment and surgery, uh, it was a very difficult time, uh, especially his last year of his life. And that was the time when I spent most of my most time with my father in the last year of his life. And... Uh, Eight years ago, we went to North Korea, praying for North Korea. God, how do you help change this nation? And God literally spoke to heart. change your question first. Don't ask, how do you change this nation? Ask, how do you love this nation? And I will teach you how to love this nation. So I asked the Lord, how do you love this nation, North Korea? And God said, go love your wife as Christ loved the church. I should have been so overjoyed that, that God spoke to my heart, but I was so disappointed. And God said, go uh, be a father to your three children and then you could father this nation love your wife and then you could love this nation and he's, and the third thing he said was uh, go honor give the highest honor to your parents and then you could honor this nation as god created this nation and then you will see the fruits of that love and so it's been eight years since i've been trying to do this so i asked What most difficult thing was, how do I honor my parents? God, how do I honor my parents? And God taught me many, many things. Uh, God said, I want you to bless him and honor him by receiving his blessings. So last year of his life, he was in the hospital bed and home bed. Every time I go visit my father, I go, Father, you must bless me. I would grab his hand. "That's me, Father." Initially he goes, "You must be crazy, little boy." Because <laughs> he never prayed in church. I never seen him pray. And God told me, "Receive your father's blessings, because inherently, God has given every father blessings of a father to bless their children. And every children's responsibility is to receive Father's blessing. And so my brother was dead. I put my, bro- my father's hand on my head first. I go, no, 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 Father, you've got to bless the elder brother first, <laughs> your, your, your older son. So he blessed my brother, older brother, and I heard voice of angel come out of his mouth. That may be the first first time that he actually publicly prayed. And I asked him to pray for me and bless me. And he began to bless me. So every time I meet him, I would ask him to bless the children, bless my kids. Because you are the patriarch. You have the blessings of God for this family. So release the blessing. That's why you need to live long, Daddy. Father, live long because you must release all the blessing that God has given to you. And we have the responsibility to receive your blessing. And, um, and every day I would do that. You know, when my father began to bless me, bless my children, bless my brother and, and his children, and bless every nation that I've been going, he would bless on behalf of me. Something came alive in my father. I think for the first time in his life, I think he felt like a true spiritual and earthly father when he began to bless with the full authority of God. Not because he was a good Christian, not because he was so faithful or unfaithful, but because he carried the name of the Father. Father in heaven gave him the name to be my father. And chose my father to bless me. Of course, I don't condone many of his behaviors. But I honor him as my father with all honor. And I pray for the behaviors. And I felt like the first responsibility as a leader is what? Number one, the world has problems, lots of problems. Number two, leaders have solutions. Number three, failure, responsibility, maybe the biggest problem they were facing right now. And number four, all godly leaders do what? Pray to seek God's solutions. And number five, the greatest number one failure or responsibility may be that we have not received our father's blessings. For many, many reasons. As a psychiatrist, number one reason why people become depressed and anxious is when they are early aged, when they are rejected, particularly by their fathers. Whether the presence of father rejects them or the absence of father rejects them, their abuse, their neglect, whatever it may be, when they feel rejected, that is one of the key elements that creates an environment that's very difficult for godly people to rise up. And I believe in this season in history, God wants to restore father's names in our families, in our hearts. Whether they were good father. Or bad father, that is secondary. But the primary is that they are father, my father. And they carry the name of God on earth. And God wants father's name to be honored and be hallowed. And I believe this is one of the greatest leadership movement history will ever witness. And this will cause us to rise up and create an environment of freedom and power and authority. I believe God will give us the authority from heaven and earth as we do this, as we lift up the highest honor to our parents, our father who represents that authority in our lives. And God showed me a little vision about what, no, what happened to Noah. You know, Noah was a key figure in the Bible in humanity and that he had three sons and Noah made a you know, very bad mistake. Once uh, he got drunk, he got naked. I think he got, he was miserable because all of his friends are dead families are dead. Everybody's dead except for him and his family. And I think he was really saddened by the fact that he had hundred years to evangelize, but he could not evangelize anybody. Except for his family. I think he was in such, in deep sorrow. So he was, became drunk. He was naked. And the one son, one of the sons went to him and saw him and told everybody on earth, right? All, oh, how many people? Yeah, five people. That my father is naked and drunk. He told the truth. He was honest. But when Shem and Japheth, two other brothers, heard this, what did they do? How did they respond? Yeah, they took a blanket, turned around, walked backward, covered their father's shame and naked body, and never looked at it and walked away. And God told me, you have, we have the, our generation has the authority to cover the shame of our father's sins. So that Father's name would come alive. And the other thing that happened when the father woke up, what did he do? <laughs> All blessings of heaven and earth came to this Shem and Japhet, these two brothers who covered his shame. And to this day, we are impacted by his decision, his blessings. And so This is my conclusion in leadership today. Uh, You won't find this in books. I read many books, many Christian books, many other books. But um, how do we honor our parents? This is a commandment of God, one of the Ten Commandments. First commandment that's given to human beings, actually, for humans. um, To honor our parents, especially the one who represents the family, fathers. How will we do that? I believe we do it by receiving their blessings. So today, when you go home, even if your father had deceased and went to heaven just like my father did, in your heart will you receive his blessings. All the blessings that he could not bestow when he was alive, we could still receive it spiritually and live it out on this earth. No matter what happened in the past, by faith. And those parents who are alive. What would happen if you go to their our fathers? Whether we respect them or not. The secondary. Just go to them. Father bless me. <laughs> because God gave you authority to bless your family. Imagine what would happen. Kingdom would open. Because kingdom belongs to the father God. And his name. When his name is honored on earth. Imagine the, the kingdom coming to where we are. Imagine all the creativity, all the authority and power in all spheres of influence that we could influence and impact as we do that. Devil cannot do that because he does not acknowledge God as his father. Devil cannot do that. He cannot honor God. He will not obey God's commands. He will call every single human being on earth not to obey God's commandments. And so, oh, I think this was a heavy message. Everybody's face looks very heavy. Uh, You know, I'm usually, I make a lot of jokes and uh, uh, some uh, interesting, and this is very heavy, but I feel this is very important. And uh, this first time I've Talked about this uh, at a church. It's this church. I believe it's because this church is called as a leader of the nations. And every one of us, are called like David, Esther, and Joshua, and Moses. And every one of them were bilingual, bicultural. Uh, And they were all kicked out of their home, most of them. (laughs) Or kicked out of the nation. Many of them were neglected, abused. uh, Especially Joseph. And some of them were prisoners. Some of them were orphans, but God touched them and raised them up as that, the leader of that time in history to fulfill God's will. And let me conclude by this. Um, 1986 years ago, anybody know a great event that happened? 1986 years ago, 20 days from today. History changed and shifted 1986 years ago. Anybody know what happened? Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples, and all of history changed. It's June 9th, this year, 1986 years ago, that happened. We have 20 days, 20 days, to see another great outpouring of the Holy Spirit come upon his church especially young generation because God wants new leaders to rise up and he wants to pour out new spirit new heart because when you receive that new spirit, new heart, just like Ezekiel, you will proclaim and prophesy, bones come together the people 95% of the people who left the church will come, begin to come together when you preach, new life will come into them, just like in Ezekiel. And they will come alive. A new army of God will rise up. And this time, no names. No names. Nobodies. Nobodies. This time, those who were completely neglected, just like David, God's gonna use and raise up. And say, so I wanna be part of that move of God. And part of that generation, seeing that generation rise up. And so I'm spending my time with my kids, praying for them to see that happen, and to walk with them. And to, and they're my greatest teacher, to learn from them. Because you are the most amazing generation that ever been born in history of the world. Don't let the devil take that away from you. Don't let the devil take that away. How great and wonderful you are. Yeah. And so, 20 days, I want to challenge you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything like that. Last time, I think I asked you to stand up for early morning prayer, Sebekido. Uh, when I came here, I didn't see any young people on Sebekido. <laughs> uh, but uh, next 20 days, 2,000 years ago, Jesus told his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, and pray until you receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God wants to pour out new Spirit. So, next 20 days, can we honor God by committing to Him, Lord God, just like 2000 years years ago? We will pray for the new move of God for next 50 years. For next, especially next 20 days until June 9th. And I want to, you know, personally challenge you uh, to give your first hour If you wake up 5 o'clock in the morning, give your first hour to the Lord. If you wake up 12 o'clock at noon, some of you may wake up 12 o'clock at noon, it's okay. Then give the first hour to the Lord. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things that you ever desire will come upon you, will be added unto you. For the kingdom of God's sake. Amen? So can we honor God by giving the first hour to the Lord, not only to the work, not only to school, not only to the family, but to the Lord Jesus and obey his command to pray next 20 days and to begin to see new move of God and may this church lead not only Korean and American churches, but the entire global churches to be an impact and a great influence for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord God. And thank you for giving us our biological fathers. Today, Lord God, just like Daniel resolved not to defile himself, we resolve to honor and to bless our fathers. And we declare and we will be responsible to receive not only blessings from many other people around the world, but the blessings from my own father. Lord God, would you bless our fathers, biological fathers and our mothers. May you do new things, raise up new leaders starting from our family and in this church And in the ends of the earth. So thank you Lord. We love you. And as we pray. Next 20 days. Giving you not leftover time. But our prime time. The first. Very first hour of waking time. To you. As we dedicate that hour to you. I believe. Kingdom of God will come. And teach us your ways. And you will fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit, and everything will be different for us and this church and the churches of the world. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.